dear ones. You're listening to the What God Is Not podcast with Father Michael O'Loughlin and Mother Natalia. Hey friends, after a month-long hiatus on recording, um, but not on releasing, Father Michael and I have gotten together to um, talk about his topic, which is kind of the difference between men and women. And uh, he talks about why he thinks Satan hates Mary so much, the mother of God, um, the difference between men and women and the, the holistic beauty of women. And there's also a segment in which many of you will be very frustrated and yelling at your radios um, when Father Michael and I can't remember the name of a 60s band. Oh, and if you're a hashtag banter hater, sorry guys, um, you'll want to skip ahead to uh, maybe like 12 minutes and 10 seconds. Uh, we haven't bantered together in a long time. Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory to him forever. Hello, sister, mother. Ooh. You took your headphones off for a second. And I said something that you oh, didn't hear. What'd you say? <laughs> Sorry, that was my bad. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you. You had to listen to the episode. But how no. you doing, mother? What'd you say? <laughs> It was hilarious. I literally said, I just called you sister. And as I looked up at the screen, you had your headphones off, like you were listening <laughs> for something. And I'm like, okay, I could just let that go. <laughs> <laughs> but you didn't because you're so humble. No, oh, I was listening. It. I feel like there are people in this house. Do you hear people? So my episode today is on ghosts. Stop. <laughs> 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 All right, whatever. I'm just hearing things. Okay, it's fine. I'm doing really well. How are you? Good. I'm doing really well too. I'm so happy to see you. You as well. I'm having a slow day. I don't know why. Probably jet lag. I just got back from the Holy Land, um, but I'm just like I don't. I don't feel like going to sleep. But I just. I'm just slow. My brain mm. isn't working. I just called you sister instead of mother. Um, like I'm trying to recall even like what my topic is, and I had to. I, I wrote the most detailed outline I've written in a long time for a podcast just now because I'm like my brain just isn't its normal. Like grab things from various places, self, and say something, you know, halfway logical or understandable, or I can't even think of the word I'm looking for now. It's true. You even wave the paper in front of my face. You actually have an outline. Yeah, yeah exactly. So you're still worried about that. I am. I just I feel like oh. there's people. I don't know. Okay. That's okay. Um, I have an absence of people. The door behind me is wide open because there's no one else. In this house right now, or in the office, it's really weird with Father Nathan being gone. So mm. I don't hear kids. I don't see kids. I don't see toys. Just me Crazy. and Jesus again. Oh, <laughs> well, I'm sad well, you, that he's you, not there. Me too, but I'm happy for them. Really happy for them. He's uh, the new administrator of uh, Our Lady of Wisdom in Las Vegas. So if you're in Vegas, go check it out at Tyler mm -hmm. Greek Parish, Father Nathan Adams. So you wanted first banter, you said? Yes! I okay. want to talk to you about something because you've been gone and so you don't even know. I, I ran don't. my 5K. Ah, I thought I saw something on social media about that. Yeah. Yes. Um, so it was the 5K. Um, oh my gosh, I have so much that I want to say. So my goal time was 31 minutes. Um, okay. So like a 10-minute mile. Nine fifty nine. You beat it, or you wouldn't be telling us. Um, <laughs> I probably would still say it, even if I didn't. <laughs> That's um, true. <laughs> but yes, I did. I finished in twenty nine forty four. Nice. So awesome. I was way faster than my goal, which was really exciting. Um, and it was so. It was in. Um, it's the it's a fundraiser in memory of Dr. Takis. So his family organized this annual 5K wow. um, as a fundraiser for um, ALS research and mm. um, and uh, awareness. So um, because that's how Dr. Takis died. So mm. for those of you who haven't heard the episode, we did. I did a whole episode on him called "The Final Homily," I think, and. Um, it uh, about being with him at his death, and it was really beautiful. So, anyways, I told I almost had an asthma attack, and my heart rate got the highest it's ever been. Um, 
as far as I'm aware. And I was going to say it's impressive because you have pogs. What's pots. that? Pots. Pots. You've made enough marijuana jokes about it that I can't believe you didn't remember the name. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, podcast though. <laughs> yeah, postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. So like when I stand up, my heart rate goes too fast and my blood pressure drops. Mm. But uh, yeah, this means nothing to you, but it might mean something to listeners. My heart rate hit 204, which is insane. Um, Sorry, is that good or bad? It's very bad. It's very bad. Um, like my max heart rate should be 180s, as in like when I can't go anymore and I'm about to drop dead, it should be like in the 180s and I hit 204. So as your spiritual father, at what point do you stop doing this? It was only at the end. Listen, it was worth it because, <laughs> so here's, um, it was all planned out. Um, okay. I gave Olivia, Olivia wasn't running, but she, Mother Gabriella and Mother Eliana ran it with me. And um, Olivia wasn't running, so she was at the finish line. So I gave her my inhaler and I said, Olivia, I'm going to sprint as hard as I possibly can at the end. And I'm going to come to you as soon as I cross the finish line. Um, and I need my inhaler. And she's like, okay. Um, so I also took my inhaler before, but then for the last stretch, which was uphill, I sprinted as hard as I possibly could and um, was like having an asthma attack when I crossed the finish line. But Olivia was right there with my inhaler. Also, all of Dr. Takis's doctor friends were there. So I was like, if I have an asthma attack or a heart attack, surely someone here is going to save me. And, um, right. and I didn't. I promise you, as fine. you get older, you're going to be much less dismissive of these health issues. <laughs> I'm not, I wasn't like doing those things in doing, training. This is like it was spiritual just direction, for race by the way. day. It was a one time thing. Like, All right, whatever. This is Because if this you seriously hurt like, yourself, then it wouldn't be fun anymore. It was a one time thing. It only takes one time, mother. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay, so uh, I'm going to move on with the rest of what I wanted to share at Banter right, because this is amazing. This was a complete game changer for me. And for any of you who listen, who run or who want to start running, this is a game changer. So David Bratnick was here visiting for Vespers and Dinner, whom I affectionately call Bratnicky. And he um, told, we were talking to him about the 5K because he was here the day before the 5K. And we were talking about him about it because we were so excited. And he um, told us, he was like, listen, I've been running and this has been a game changer to me. He found, you can find like on Spotify or whatever, um, playlists of recordings from drill sergeants uh, <laughs> that are, and what I didn't realize is that the playlists are, like you can pick the particular, they're, they're listed by, um, by their cadence, um, oh. like the beats per minute. And okay. so... Um, so it's really funny because like on one of my runs, I'm running down Mumford Road um, in Amish country. I mean, I had earbuds in, so nobody knows this, knows this, but um, you know, and I'm just listening to like, I don't know what I've been told um, <laughs> for my whole run. And it was so fun, but it's a total game changer. But then even bigger game changer, I then find out. So I decided to search for a different playlist that's at a different cadence because um, I'm more around like 170, 180. Um, beats per minute for my cadence. And so I, on my easy runs, I'm like 170. So um, I look up a 170 beat per minute playlist and realize that they've created these playlists with just like pop culture songs. Like, mm. um, and so they have these whole playlists that are a bunch of different songs that have this uh, particular beats per minute. Um, okay. And so I used that this morning and I discovered that um, for my easy runs, the song that was most helpful um, to run to was um, Good Vibrations by Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. Uh, so that was fun. And also a Kanye West song. Mm, those ones that came up on my playlist, but yeah. Good. Okay, so Good Vibrations, that's obviously different than the oldies version. Um, it was the oldies version, I think. If I ever meet Wal Mark Wahlberg, I'm going to totally tell him that you called his version of that oldies. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I don't know. No, there, there's no. I don't know the band, but there's an old song called "Good Vibrations," like from the '60s or '70s. Well, look it up right now. I can't. We can't um, play it, or we'll get sued. But 
go ahead and continue. No, about. just look up who <laughs> it's by. So, uh, anyways, continuing on. Um, no, I, I think I know what you mean, but there, there's an, there's an older, a totally different song, but it's called Good Vibrations, and people are yelling to their computers right now. Oh, they're very frustrated. I'm very sorry, everybody. But the problem with this playlist, <laughs> the only problem was that I could only really play like every fifth song because so many of them were not non appropriate. So, if any listeners want to put together a playlist for me of um, about one hundred, I can't believe I forgot that. Um, Beach Boys. Oh, that's really embarrassing for both is, of us. Is, is that? But is that the one? Is that the one you're talking about, or the? No. Okay. It was Marky I, Mark. I know. And the I know bunch. the Marky Mark one. Okay. I know the Beach Boys. I, I was like the, the 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 band that did all the harmonies in the sixties. <laughs> no. Boys. Okay. It was Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. Okay. Um. So if anyone wants to put together a playlist that has 170 or 180 beats per minute um, songs that are appropriate for none ears, then that would be great. Because I could only listen to like once every four or five songs. That's um, funny. I had to skip through a bunch. So And actually the Kanye West song that was really perfectly timed, um, I probably should have skipped. <laughs> but the cadence was just perfect. Isn't that such a neat idea though? So I have an idea that someone's going to steal because I'm going to say it publicly. But why don't they make a device that speeds up or slows down pop songs or any songs according to your heart rate? So that it literally just this measures your heart rate. This isn't to match my heart rate. It's to match my running cadence, like my steps. I know, but that's what I'm saying. Like This is my idea. Oh. like, like Or, or even one that's, that, that literally just matches your steps. It can obviously measure your pace. This probably exists. Maybe. But like, wouldn't it be cool to sit in a chair and just like say, literally, the beat of this song is is adapted to my own heartbeat? That would like be there's really just cool. something there's something so holistic about that, which actually is a good transition point. Oh, is there um, anything else? Well, the only other thing I'll say is I was going to listen to the Drill Sergeant on my actual 5K because it's really motivating, mm. but uh, I didn't because I was praying the Jesus prayer because nice. I was offering. Each of my kilometers, someone wrote on the wall in here. It says Lauren in crayon in our Pustinia, and the N is backwards. Like a child did this. What in the world? Um, okay. Uh, the, cool. yeah, sorry, that was a serious cowboy. Um, so my last kilometer, the first one was offered for Dr. Takis for his repose because uh, the run was for him. But the last kilometer was for you and Maddie. Oh, I couldn't that's narrow the one it you down. Almost died. Yeah, I know. I was thinking that. I was like, they had the shortest <laughs> amount of time for prayers, but they almost got like the most. They also got the most intense running, and so um, yeah, I couldn't narrow it down I, I, to fewer people. So I had to. I doubled up on the kilometers for the last two. Well, I appreciate. It. I don't mind sharing my kilometer with Maddie. That's good of you. All right. I took away your nice transition. I'm really sorry. I'll just go back. Okay, go back. It would be it would be a very holistic thing, a very um, mind and body matching thing to have music speed up or slow down according to your heart rate. I don't even know if, if you would notice the difference because, like, unless I'm a very intentional, I, I can't. Like, I don't know what my heart rate is, what my heartbeat is. But anyway, I think that'd be pretty cool. All right. Um, so I'm going to get to why that's a good transition in a second. Um, but somebody said to me, I don't even know how authentic this is. I, I don't even remember who said it, but I thought it was beautiful. And someone said, and I may have mentioned this on the podcast before, but that the reason why Lucifer hates, pretty much they said, why does Lucifer, the devil, hate the mother of God so much? Um, by the way, there's all this debate, and don't yell at me about the word Lucifer, the term Lucifer, what that means. Um, John Damascus talks about Lucifer as as and and gives that name to the devil because that that the name means light bearer, um, and and there's even Jesus in the Bible is called the light bearer. Many, many good people are called light bearer in that trans in that translation, but um, when we when we refer to the Lucifer or especially regarding his fall, we mean the the first. The first demon to fall, and Saint John of Damascus talks about this. Um, but why does why does Lucifer hate the Mother of God so much? Um, and somebody said it's probably because she replaced him. So 
Lucifer, obviously, be the light bearer, would be almost like a liturgical act. So I know that in the traditional Latin Mass, obviously, with the use of the Latin, if you carry a candle, you're called the Lucifer because that's what you're doing. You're you're a light bearer. You're carrying a candle. It's actually a, a ecclesiastical and a liturgical um, role in the in the in the Roman Mass. Um, but but Lucifer was the one. And again, there's all these different traditions with the demons. We've talked about some of this before. The seraphim are on fire because they're so close to God. You know who 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 can be you know compared to a a, a burning fire um, that that purges and that that warms and that uh, you know accepts and, and purifies or consumes, based upon how we have prepared ourselves to be. But so Lucifer was was very close to God. He was he was the one who. Who who bore the light in a sense, especially if God is a fire, he's light. But but the mother of God actually in her uh, pregnancy in the incarnation actually bore the light, the capital L light, the light of the world um, in her. So it's almost like one of the greatest offenses that we can feel as human beings is that we've just been replaced. Mm. You know, I've I, I, I've been replaced. I'm not needed anymore. Um, all the thoughts that used to go towards me I now go go towards somebody else in this way. So that that that's a, a great fear that I think every human being has. And so, um, in a sense, the mother of God became the light bearer. She became the Theotokos, the God bearer. But 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 Jesus is the light of the world. So th- there's this. Um, and the light, the lights our path, et cetera, all, the, all these um, ways that Christ is the light um, that are evidenced in scriptures. Um, so the mother of God is replaced. And so, so Satan hates her for this reason. Um, and I, it's, it's, it's a very human way of, of looking at him, but I just thought that was a really beautiful thought that a, a friend of mine said. Um, so I got thinking about, and a, another friend at an ev- another event said something about this. And I got thinking a lot about um, the difference between the role and the beauty and the significance within the body of Christ of men's and women's bodies. Mm. Because there is something, obviously theology of the body talks all about this and there's something significant. So this is just one kind of side way of of making sure that we in the church um, hold especially women's bodies in in with the proper respect, with the, you know, acknowledging the immense dignity of, of women, of course, in general, but also um, the way that, that women's bodies are, are so important to the life of the church. Um, so a couple of first reflections, and this is where the holistic comes in. Um, there's a, a great book, I know I've mentioned it before, Gates of Fire by Stephen Pressfield. It's all about Thermopylae, the, the 300 men, Trojans, who went to, to fight off um, the attacking Persians in, the, um, in this very militarily strategic place, um, mountain range. I, I believe the, the movie 300 was an adaptation of, of this book. Um, Stephen Pressfield's Gates of Fire, um, but it's certainly the same story. But there's, it's an amazing book. I loved it. I need to read it again soon. Um, but there's this, there's this reference when the battle is over. So obviously, there's these these warring factions. The battle is over, and they, the men who are fighting in this battle, they they tie their hair back because of course they all have long hair. So it's like you gird your loins, you kind of make sure that your hair and your clothing is not going to get in the way of the battle. You know, that would obviously be, be a problem. Um, you know, I, I think, I think, you know, kids that sag their jeans, it's really funny to see, you know, these kids get in fights and it's like, they're literally a lack of a belt is like getting in the way of them being able to, to fight authentically. Like it's the same thing. I got to tie your hair back. So, but the way that this book describes after the battle, there's various things that the men do to transition from the battle back to um, the time with their brothers, their brother soldiers, their brothers, you know, in the battle, but then also even more so to transition back to their families. Mm. And so the way he describes this is that um, the transition period, like the men would literally just shake. They would shake so bad that they couldn't untie their own hair. Mm. And that there was, there was, in other words, men need to compartmentalize war and then a whole separate compartment is home life, family life. So it even says, if, if a man goes to battle thinking of his family, he has to therefore think of the enemy's family. And if he's thinking of his family and the enemy's family, he will not fight. 
Like mm-hmm. uh, th- th- he will not fight as well. He'll be he'll be distracted by what e- essentially is real life. You know, and and now again, soldiers need to do this because the families can inspire them. You know, family to to defend their country or whatever that may be. But there's um, and we all know this. What does somebody say? You know, men men are like waffles and women like spaghetti. You know, the mm-hmm. like the, the compartmentalization that men go through. But according to this book, that's obviously a good thing. It's a positive. It's, I think it's, it's a beautiful men's thing. Brains and women's brains. Not just men. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of holistic, right? But we don't we don't separate our, our we don't separate our brain from our person, right? Because that's I that's I guess I guess what I'm getting from getting to. So so I think, and again, I'm talking to a woman here, so always correct me if I'm wrong here, mother. Of course, um, but but men do naturally compartmentalize. A lot of things, and like that's one evidence of that. Um, whereas, in a sense, women are more holistic in this way. And I can tell you, I can tell you that that after years of being a priest and and beautifully having every human being or lots of human beings open up to me um, within vulnerability and in the intimacy of their lives, um, I, I I think women in general are much more prone to a, a holistic reaction to the world, especially to pain. In other words, I think men, when they suffer, especially like mental or emotional pain, tend to compartmentalize it. And mm-hmm. it, it doesn't show as much in their bodies as it does with women. And and in this sense, women are actually much more holistic. Their 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 bodies and their minds react to the to the stimuli um, together. And so I think women in, in a positive way, of course, this is why women get pregnant there. There's a, there's a sensitivity to when they're pregnant or when they have kids, there's a sensitivity to the, the external factors in the world that are going on. Um, and this is like where we get the idea of a, of a mama bear, right? There, there's a, there's a, a greater beautiful sensitivity to the world around them because it actually affects their it affects their bodies, but it affects their entire being. But when, when a woman is struggling in a negative way with like depression or with 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 trauma, PTSD, um, I think women are more prone to let that emotional or mental trauma affect um, the way their bodies function. Um, you know, whether it's an, you know, an eating disorder or something like that, or whether it's just, um, you know, depression is much, not much, but depression is more, tends to be more obvious on, on a woman's, whether it's just her face or the way she, she goes about her life. And, and this seems like it's a bad thing at first, but that's why I'm trying to emphasize like the whole holistic aspect. Um, there's a, I think women, I would imagine, because of this, are actually they actually heal more quickly than men from trauma because there's an authenticity to the perception of it, an authenticity to the 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 wholeness of the processing of it, and then and then it, it's in a sense processed more healthily because it's processed completely. And there's always been you know little stereotypical things about you know if if a man and a woman break up, you know the man. The man will will just go out with his buddies and have a drink and talk about his ex and seem to be having a good time. The woman will kind of, you know, again according to the stereotypical story, will like vent to her friends, but will will suffer more quickly after the breakup, but then get over it more quickly. And men will will kind of the denial comes more quickly. They try to compartmentalize um, what, what they shouldn't compartmentalize because, of course, love before a breakup is is a you need to love with your entire self. So anyway, I'm 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 now just trying to find a way of of being eloquent about this, and I I realize I'm not, but I I, I do think women are are better at being completely sensitive in a psychosomatic way, so that the the emotions, the the brain, the body are all in sync more frequently. Where men kind of separate those out more, and that's a good thing. These are good things for both. This is the way that God created us. Men can can separate out family from from battle in a sense and from labor where whereas a woman it's it's more of a it's more of just evidence wise in, in the perception of these things a woman is more holistic in this way where her mind her body and emotions tend to tend to to travel down the road the pilgrimage of life together hmm. um yeah i don't really have i don't have anything yet based on um like in response to what you're saying other than uh, to just make sure everyone knows. I mean, I think you've been clear about this, but to make sure everyone knows that, like, this is obviously a, a generalization, right? And so you're not saying, like, you're, you're saying very frequently, like, 
tend to or typically or things like that. Like you're making it clear that you're not saying that this is always the case in every situation or something like that. And I think that's if just, this is your if this is the first episode you listen to on this podcast, yeah, this is not the best one to, <laughs> to listen to. Oh, and I, I only mean that because I don't I don't think we should shy away from sharing things like this that are very, very nuanced. Mm-hmm. And and there's a lot of subtlety, and there's always exceptions. You kind of have to, as Andrew Whaley says, earn the right to be heard. So mm-hmm. if if you don't know me from a hundred episodes already, you're gonna yeah, you're probably gonna judge because you're 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 putting on me and my thoughts something that that is not there true. So I guess I'm assuming um, that people are are going to assume the best and and try to understand a nuanced position like this because it is nuanced. But I, I think there's something beautiful here that we shouldn't shy away from just because some some people are not going to trust the nuance yeah. or trust me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I yeah, I guess I have seen. Um, hmm, I'm trying to think of if, if or how I can share this. Um, I probably can't share that. Um, okay, so I will say though that I, you know, we were talking, uh, another nun and I were talking recently about um, giving spiritual direction and, and giving spiritual direction to um, like multiple people who have kind of close relationships. Um, like we were even talking about, so, so um, a few of the nuns actually have the same spiritual father. And uh, and it works perfectly fine. Like it works totally fine. I don't know that it would work as well if they all shared the same spiritual mother. Um, like, uh, you know, and I'm thinking of, there was, there was someone that um, like, before I, long before I entered the monastery, um, someone who, um, was interested in a relationship with me and you were both of our spiritual fathers. And so you're like having to direct him and also direct me. And, um, and like, I wasn't interested in a relationship, but at the same time, like in some sense, you're encouraging him to just ask me out because you know that like maybe he needs the closure or whatever, like he needs to hear the no. Um, and I'm just like, I don't know that I I could have done such a good job of like keeping those things separate because of the spaghetti brain, right? Because like everything is connected and every, um, I mean, I, I'm sure if I was in that situation, like God would give the grace as spiritual mother and I'm confident in that. But um, I don't know, I guess that was just a lived experience of this. Like that's, that's a way in which the compartmentalization is a gift. And I think it's yeah. why, it's one of the reasons I'm like, I'm, I'm grateful that women um, aren't priests is because it's like for for us to hear confessions, um, like that's that's just a gift of the male brain. Um, that does that does that make any sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, and I, I think it's I had I have a, a secular friend back in Denver who would have parties with all of her female friends, and they would talk about. Some things that were inappropriate, um, but they would also talk about like how do we embrace the fact that we have monthly cycles? Like how do we mm. how do we actually look at the way that our bodies and our minds, our whole person works, and how can we actually sit down with other women and talk about how beautiful this is? Mm. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's amazing. Like I don't know anybody who's doing that. It's the 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 assumption in our society, and I know I'm probably speaking to the choir here. The assumption in our society, and especially in the in the secular society, is that women's bodies and women's minds need to be more like men's. This is mm-hmm. where artificial contraception mm-hmm. and abortion comes from. Like you, you like the, the the male freedom to be separate from the consequences of the sexual act. If he wants to in an evil way, women need to have that same freedom from the consequences of the sexual act. And it's like, again, the men have a freedom from that in an evil way. It's an, it's, I don't want to say it's an evil freedom, but it's the, the ability, the easier ability to step away from that responsibility is just is much easier for men biologically than it is for women because women can get pregnant and, 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 and there, there's many more hormones released in the sexual act with women than there are for men. And so things like this. So there's a, 
there's we don't understand and I'm, I was so surprised to hear that from a secular female friend of mine that you mm-hmm. know why don't we just lean in and and look at the way that 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 our bodies and our minds and our emotions work naturally and actually praise it mm-hmm. and say like this is a good thing where can we find goodness in this but i know that most people listening to this podcast are in the world they they just don't see that it it seems like every time we make a distinction that we're somehow that that they're assuming that what we're saying is for what's typical of men in general for men is better than for women. And that's just absolutely not the case. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yes. Um, and I think the part of the problem is about this is that again, women's bodies are, are so again, because women can get pregnant. Um, women obviously are, have a more holistic view that is helpful towards um, what women um how women live and their life and how they thrive, et cetera. Um, and then, so obviously there's, this is where complementarianism works. So that men and women, when they work together, especially raising a family, all of this can be used in its proper time, in its proper place, et cetera. Um, now, the the beauty of a woman's body is obviously being attacked um, by the devil, but also then by men who objectify a woman's body and try to separate this whole this holistic nature. So when men lust or they objectify, um, and again, the same thing is true for women objectifying men. Of course, it is, but um, but they they try to separate out the the body from the emotions and the mind and everything else, and this is a tearing apart of the holistic beauty of, of what a woman has been given in by God as a gift. So the, when the men try to separate, to wrench these things apart, um, I think it's, it's very tempting for women to, to respond to, um, in a sense, be open to that in a bad way, just like there's obviously a counterpart for this in men too. But, but this is, this is where, where I think it's a responsibility of men to, in their chastity, in their relationship with women, all women, to make sure that there is, and we all know this, but but there is an acknowledgement of the holistic body, mind, soul, the entire person of the woman that is part of her dignity and part of her beauty, more so than men. And and the devil is using men to and, and their lust to separate these things out in his mind and just within the body of Christ. Mm. Yeah, I, hmm. I I agree with everything you just said. I think that the only point that I would make that maybe doesn't even need to be made, but um I I can find that I find that sometimes in in the people who take what you just said to the extreme, they can tend to sometimes like um, separate body and soul, um, like disintegrate in the opposite direction of like also not even being willing to acknowledge um, a physical beauty um, or the the beauty of the body. Like they want to just like pretend like that's not part of it in this this um, overly pious disintegration, um, which actually just turns out to be another heresy. Like you're still separating body and soul if you're um, quote unquote only seeing the soul. You know. Um, yeah. So uh, so I I like what you're saying. Um, just remembering that we don't want to jump to the other side either. Of in our being holistic. We don't want to jump too far into suddenly disintegrating into the opposite direction. Does that? Yeah. No. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I think there's that even beyond the way someone looks. I mean, you you've heard. I forget who who coined it, but the kind of the, this. And this just sounds totally gross to us nowadays. But you know, if the, I heard this somewhere that like at banquets in medieval times, you know, if you were attracted to someone the way they looked, you would like take an apple. <laughs> What's this game? You would take an apple and like, 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 rub it on your body, like to get your sweat on it, because it had a certain smell. And then, like, there was a certain even psychosomatic thing, like where I, if I'm attracted to somebody, I'm attracted where they look, the way they think, the way they smell, everything. And there's like this, we, like, we we can we can work because there, it's not only mind, it's not only even body, the way you look. It's it's like everything about you is attractive to me, and it's it was kind of like a test for compatibility, you know? Yeah, so, so 
<laughs> yeah, it is very weird. And and but I think what they were getting at was that and I know that this happens through, you know, um artificial contraception. If a woman's on the pill, it actually like changes her smell. And that's kind of what mm. they were getting at. Mm-hmm. Um it, it and so it actually changes the way that men may be attracted. But then again, men and women nowadays use deodorant and perfume and cologne. So we're changing it anyway, you know, but but that that may be an unnatural thing that actually is is harming the the more natural attractions that we have for each other that that are totally some in some ways biological and some ways of God and and spiritual and and holistic as well, um, but yeah, thank you for saying that because it's absolutely true. I I do find so I this was something that I was talking to a couple of people about um, sometime in the last year. Uh, it this was a fascinating difference I found between men and women when I was in college. I realized that. When there was a guy that I was attracted to something other than his physical appearance, like when I was attracted to to his personality or his intelligence or whatever it is like that I was attracted to and I became romantically interested in, like the more time I spent with him and the more attractive that part became that I was attracted to, the more physically attracted to him I was. And and it wasn't like I, 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 the reason I say this is fascinating to me is because I think what's probably awesome, often assumed by men about women, maybe I'm wrong about this, is that um, men probably think that we often are just like less, um, we less care about the physical appearance. And so we just think that like, oh, well, their personality, quote unquote, makes up for it or something. Um, but it's, it's not, it's not, it wasn't even an experience of like, I like their personality so much that it makes up for the fact that I don't find them attractive. It's like the more attracted I became to their personality, the more physically attractive I found them. It's, it's this fascinating thing that happened. Like, I don't even know how to describe it, but I, like, it seems to me that that doesn't happen to men. Like, it's oh, like no, it's, you it's either find a woman many times. Actually. Oh, just kidding. Okay. Well, no, yeah. It's, it's happened to me where, where I, I will. I will not find a woman in any like no. There's no second glance. There's no like oh that that woman's very pretty, and then I get to know her, and then all of a sudden she's very very beautiful, like mm. like physically to me. And that I remember the first time that happened. I was being trained as a telemarketer. I was like probably sixteen, seventeen years old, and the woman training us just like no no second thought. Like I just oh here's here's a woman. She's a, she's a trainer. Um, she's authority, and but her personality and her confidence in the way she was training us mm. and the way that she like managed was so attracted me. I just and then all of a sudden, like I went in the next day for more training, and I was like, hmm, <laughs> you know, like I had, had hadn't even thought of it. And that's happened in in college multiple times. It it yeah. So uh, yeah. So I I guess it, it that is I I maybe. I'm weird in that, but no, it is absolutely happened to me multiple times. So, so maybe that's not even a difference between men and women. Although there might be, I don't know. I kind of feel like you might be an exception in this. Um, like what I've heard from a lot of men, maybe I just don't know men. That's fine. Um, is that it's like you either find a woman like attractive or you don't kind of from the start, but maybe that's not the case. But regardless of, maybe it's not a difference between men and women, maybe it's just a, like, this is indicative, if this is what happens for all of us, then it could just be indicative of um, the the desire within us for this holistic beauty. Um, it's, it's like God has built this into our hearts. Um, just like we have natural law, you know, it's um, like we, we know in our heart of hearts that this is what actually makes a person beautiful. Um, and so those things become integrated for us. Yeah, I, I, think, I think that you hit the nail on the head. I, I think there's, there's an integration there and this is why, um, and I, I, I get it. Like I, whenever I disagree with someone on a point, uh, even like an ideology, I, I always try to say, do I understand, could I repeat their argument and could I take ownership? This is like high school debate class, right? Could, could, could I repeat their argument? Do I understand as much as I can being separate from them where they're coming from? And, and, and it, it's, it is very true. And now I've just completely spaced where I was going with this. Um, hashtag typical Olo. Um, what did you what just did you hashtag? Just 
I just, I'm just typical that things, oh, things get typical. out of my mind. If I, if I, I heard if it's I try to, oh, no. <laughs> I was like, are you just like wanting to be back in the Holy Land? Um, if, if, I, if I go on a sidetrack thinking it's going to illuminate the issue and then I forget what the original issue was. I know. Um, I was talking about how this is written in our hearts, that uh, this desire for holistic beauty mm-hmm. um, and that maybe it's not a difference between men and women. Maybe it's just this natural desire within us for integration. Oh, it's gone. It's okay. Gone. But I, I did think when you were saying that it, it is interesting, someone, someone made a joke and I thought this was actually pretty funny that, that they, they showed like a, a before and after photo of someone who, who um, got rhinoplasty, like got a nose job. And it was like, and I get it. I mean, it was like, I think I would have, if I, I hate to put this out so judgmental. Like if I looked that too, I'd be like, "Well, that that you look so oh different and so gosh. much more attractive." Sorry, I'm sorry, but like I, I would have been tempted to do that. Maybe I, maybe I would have done, but I would have tempted to do it. And then, I, and then somebody commented like, "Like, what if, what if you marry this person and you don't understand that your kids <laughs> are going to have the original." <laughs> Facial feature, we'll put it that way, and and, and like just do you, when do you share that with the person you're dating? Like, oh, I, I had a nose job, and so if we get married, our kids may may have my original nose. Not that that would impact anything. I'm just, I'm just I thought it was funny. That's where I'm going with this. I thought it was funny. Oh my do you regret gosh. sharing that on this episode? I'm gonna, get, I'm gonna get canceled for so many different things today. All right, um, but uh, so. I, one thing I, I guess the next thing I want to say is that a lot of this came to my mind um, when the first uh, inklings of Roe v. Wade being overturned came out. So the document came out, kind of that preparatory document revealing that that Roe v. Wade may be overturned, and and even that first Sunday, you know, um, some people were. Sp- Spray painting my body, my choice. It's now that that's still a thing, but it's now it's changed to, you know, keep your brands off my body and and things like that. If 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 abortion if abortion can't be safe, neither can you. You know, if they're spray painting this on on pregnancy centers and on churches and things like this. And I thought, you know, it's something about my body, my choice. And and it's, I, I get it. I can put myself on the place. Maybe that's where I was going with this. I can put myself on the place of many, many women in our society that do not feel in control of their own body. That that I mean, with with the way that so many men in our society in general objectifies a woman's body and and and, and degrades degrades what is natural to it. I get it. Where you can say, I don't feel in control of my own body. That mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not proud of it. I don't honor it. And and and. Most of our society is is going a direction where it it would be hard as a woman to say, I mean, how many? What percentage of Americans or even Western women, if you ask them, are you proud of your body? Just that. Are you proud of it? Oh, minuscule. Yeah, minuscule. That's horrible. That is absolutely horrible. And and that the, the whole point I'm getting to here is that is that the the beauty of a woman, but especially a woman's body, I get it that women, many women are are saying, "My body, my choice." Like in other words, they feel attacked. They feel that their body, especially by by you know outlawing abortion, their their bodies are being attacked. And I get it. It can absolutely feel that way. And I I understand for the most part how they can feel that way. And that is absolutely horrible. And and I I even get the reaction. And I even get the violence because there's it, it, women in our society are not. The society does not support the fact that a woman can be completely self possessed or holistic in her body and her mind. We, we separate out the two all the time, whether it's through sin and lust and objectification or, or in, in many other ways, just of, of not, of saying that women have to be more like men. You know, women have to, have to be able to, you know, even the fact that, that most Catholic dioceses don't give women maternity leave. You know, it, it's like, my gosh, like let, let women be women. And after they've had their baby, let, let them, you know, if, if they can or want to, let them nurse, let them be with their child for a long time. This is so important um, for a woman's body. And, and this, is, this is where I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to finish here, but like what, a woman's body is so important to a baby, of course, spends nine months in the woman's body. Um, a woman's body, if they, if they nurse, is being you know fed by by the body, and especially right after birth, um, babies just cling to their moms and to their moms' bodies. And this is something I have shared before, but I think this is the beauty of when we appreciate women's bodies so much that when we die, 
what's going to be greeting us in heaven is a woman's body, mm-hmm. is Mary's body, because her body was assumed into heaven. So it's very, our, our birth into heaven is greeted by a woman's physical body, even though we won't have physical bodies after the second coming of Christ, but our, we are greeted by a woman's body, just like we were born into the world. And I think that's one of the beauties, the overwhelming beauty of, of, of Jesus, right? Taking his mother's body into heaven. Now he has a body up there too, but like there's something about a woman's body being preserved, um, in heaven and, and Mary already having her resurrected body to be that, that, that there's something um, beautiful and, and anti the evil of this world that tries to separate out the two. Like Mary is holistic again, and she's an example to all of us that we will be, you know, her soul and her body are together, which is the ideal. And we'll have that as well. Um, but it, that, that is such a, a weapon a beautiful weapon against the evil of this world in in not appreciating, not understanding, not building up women, especially in in their embodied form. You know the, the fact that women have bodies as well. And go so going back a second, there's just something fascinating too um, that I when I was thinking about this, this is all all this came to be in like one one hour drive from Ojai back to uh, back to uh, Los Angeles. But um, I thought you know. When Jesus walked into the upper room with his resurrected body, his his wounds were obvious. They were actually so obvious that he showed them. And Thomas came to faith by seeing and touching Jesus's wounds. His woundedness from the crucifixion was external and obvious and Jesus used it to spread the good news. Simeon told Mary that a sword would pierce her heart. And so her wound, even in the crucifixion was internal. Hmm. And and not as obvious. This may seem like the opposite of what we're saying, where where a woman kind of carries, generally, again to overgeneralize, carries any internal woundedness also on the outside, and that's a good and a beautiful thing. It adds to her her sensitivity and, and her engagement in the world. Um, but there's almost something I said. You know, I've also seen as a priest after all these years, where where men's trauma, men's woundedness, um, is in a sense more palatable, if you will, because it can be shared Mm -hmm. and it can be acknowledged by the world. But so much of the pain that women go through is, is hidden. It's not, it's not as obvious. And I, I, that it seemed, that seems like an injustice to me. Mm -hmm. It seems like an injustice that there's something more fair and more palatable and more, more the healing comes quicker for men if if the woundedness is on the outside. And again, this is I don't know quite where I'm going with this, but it just in in the mother of God and in Jesus, the her wounds are are internal, his wounds are external. And it just I I, I feel I feel for her because I, I just feel like what a burden that that's not obvious and cannot be shared. Whereas Jesus Jesus used his obvious wounds for evangelization to bring people to faith, especially Thomas. And somehow we need to acknowledge that Mary's and maybe many women's internal wounds um, can can be as evangelical, as evangelizing as Jesus is, but in a different way. And I, I wonder if women, and I'll start with what I'm talking to now, um, do you ever feel that 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 the world just doesn't understand a woman's pain as much as it understands a man's pain? <sighs> Uh, yes. I mean, yes, of course. <laughs> but I don't know. I, I think I would say that like the, the things that pain us might be not as able to be talked about, particularly in like in all circles. Um, but at the same time, I think that men have, um, it's very interesting that we're both like (laughs) trying to argue for the, (laughs) the unfairness of the other sex. Um, like that's, that's kind of nice. Um, I think men though have the, the disadvantage of there's this societal pressure, um, to like not be wimps and to, to not be, although actually our society is kind of moving towards more like softening men as well. So I guess this is now, but, but at least like when I was growing up, like boys were discouraged from talking about their feelings so much. And so, yes, the things might be more, the wounds might be more palatable. The trauma might be 
more um, things that could be talked about uh, in in a lot of circles. But I think that men were often discouraged from talking about those things and from processing pain because they're they're supposed to be not showing um, so much of their emotions. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah, I and and I I hear you, and I think so. That's unfair for men. Oh, it is, and and I and that is that is actually very common. Um, and I I guess I don't I don't need I don't I I, I want to use the word apologize, but I uh, this sounds random, but do you, you know Tina Fey, the comedian? Mm-hmm. So she, I think her comedy is brilliant, and I think it's absolutely hilarious because she. Her comedy, from what I've seen, um, and I'm sure there's some inappropriate stuff too. So please don't think that I'm like just promoting her. But but she she acts in her mind. So she's obviously more politically progressive than I am. But but she in in her world, she probably says, for example, that that there are many people who are prejudiced against gay people and homosexuals, um, and and women. You know. Um, and she's trying to fight for equality and understanding and tolerance and, and things like this. But in her comedy, she makes fun of like gay people the same way that people that are homophobic make fun of gay people. She makes fun of women the same way that misogynists make fun of women. And mm. you, you just you know that that for a misogynist, that's wrong and evil. But when she does it, because she's obviously not a misogynist, mm-hmm. you know, she can do it, and it's actually funny. Where it would not be funny if a misogynist said the exact same thing, you know. But but so there there's something about she's kind of living in a she's living in her own utopia, and then being able to poke fun at something because she has confidence in the fact that she's not homophobic or a misogynist. I, I guess that's what I'm kind of doing the same thing. So I, I want to I want to thank you, Mother, for saying that because in my mind, I, I I'm living in a world as a priest and as a man that is that is beyond that. Mm-hmm. I, I I feel I don't want to say I I am, but I, I I feel beyond that. Whereas I was a companion for six years, we absolutely shared our feelings mm-hmm. and were vulnerable and relied upon each other in a friendship, and yet. I I feel that all of us are good, masculine, strong men who who can who can do all the the the, the best things that that maleness has to offer the world, um, and yet is are that way because we also understand that forgiveness is actually harder and more manly than retribution. Mm-hmm. So yes, but I, I know for many people they don't have that benefit. Many people are still living in a world where um, their friends, family, the society around them would unjustly criticize any sort of, you know, for you know, any sort of sensitivity or or need for for support um, in any way. So yeah, thank you. I just wanted to explain myself why I didn't lead with that because I'm mm-hmm. trying to live in that world already. So I, all of this is to just say, I love the mother of God. I love the Theotokos. I, I think that there's, that she is just such a, a good example of, of allowing women like my secular and of course, like some of my Catholic female friends are doing of continuing to build up women and women's bodies and make sure they're not objectified um, and yet I also think, and maybe I shouldn't just start down this road now, but I also think that there's something, there's something beautiful about the, the humility of the beauty of a woman, the, almost the hiddenness of the beauty of a woman. It doesn't need to be shattered from the rooftops. Um, and in this sense, it's just, it's just on men to, to quiet down, I mean, in a sense, listen to the still small voice of, of the beauty of of women and their bodies, especially expressed expressed in the Mother of God, and her the fact that her body's in heaven and that holistic aspect is there. Um, Which I think, because I think part of the problem, yes, what you just said, yes, uh, part of the problem is our society has so linked beauty and physical attraction to sexuality and sexual arousal. And so it's like, 
what is seen as quote unquote beautiful in a woman. This is the objectification you're talking about, right? It's like, what can her body do for me? Um, or what can his body do for me? Um, it, it makes it about, um, that, like that's, that's what makes it objectification, right? You're seeing this thing as an object as opposed to a person. And um, so the problem with that is like the things then that you want to see about a woman's body are the things that are going to sexually arouse you. And that's what you call beautiful, um, which is why it's like, it blows my mind that some of the people who are so opposed to like breastfeeding in public are the same people, some, right? Some of those people are the same people that would be totally okay with like a really scantily clad woman on a billboard. Like if it's if it's sexualized, then it somehow is okay. But if it's actually like the beauty of the body as God intended it to be used, um, then it's like not okay. I, <laughs> yeah. um, and that's not that's not the reason that some people are opposed to breastfeeding in public. So I think that's a different story. But I mean specifically those people who are contradictory in in that way. Um, is that like we're not seeing, like we're not seeing the beauty of, like praise God when women wear swimsuits that show their stretch marks. Um, mm-hmm. Like praise God for women who understand that stretch marks are beautiful because it means that you are a co-creator with God. Like you brought life into this world and that's beautiful. Like what's more beautiful than, than bringing forth life? Um, mm-hmm. But we do everything that we can to hide those parts of the body um, because they're not sexual. Um, and Yeah. Yeah, I, I, and I, I, th- I think, and I, I know a lot of people have talked about this, and I have not done a deep dive yet. But there is something about, I think, uh, again, some people, maybe many people, who who will criticize breastfeeding in public, um, is because either they are afraid of, like, being sexually aroused by it, or they're afraid of, they're afraid for the women that that men are doing this, mm-hmm. and they they want to just avoid it by hiding it. Mm-hmm. One of the funniest memes I've ever seen was it just said, you know, women should cover up in public if they're breastfeeding, and then this woman just like breastfeeding, and it just she put the like the the blanket that. You'd normally cover mm-hmm. up your your breast and the baby she just put over her face, mm-hmm. <laughs> like like that was the intention. It's like, it's like in other words, the intention is to shame you. So so cover your face because mm-hmm. you should be ashamed of this. Uh, I was just like that's that's brilliant with with you know. Anyway, I, I'm again there may be other reasons like you said, mother, that people don't don't want people breastfeeding in public. Yeah. But there there is. I'm a huge I'm a huge fan of women being women and and as long as they feel comfortable. Um, and thank God in holy protection, when we had pews, women would just sit right in the front row during the homily and yeah. breastfeeding during the homily. And I, I just thought that was so amazing and, and so familial for a parish. Yeah, which, and and to be clear, um, because I, I don't want anyone to feel that I'm like shaming or judging. If Like if you are opposed to breastfeeding in public, um, the example that you just gave, like of the ones, that the people who are opposed to it because they think that it could be a, a source of temptation for men who struggle with lust or for like, um, like if that's your reasoning, um, first of all, I, I still disagree with that reasoning. Like, I, I don't think that the, I don't think that the right response is to, um, like just take, yeah. Anyways, there, we could do a whole episode on that, but, <laughs> um, I disagree with that, but, I'm much, I'm much more understanding. Like I see where you're coming from, and and I I understand that that reasoning. Um, the times that it's frustrating to me is when it's the hypocrisy of we're okay with the like, um, the like immodest clothing that the or like with watching certain TV shows or listening to certain songs, but we're not okay with this. Like that's when the the, the that hypocrisy is. Which there's a thousand other ways that I'm a hypocrite, but that particular hypocrisy is, um, yeah, that's all. I just want to make that clarification. Amen. Can I share? Can I share one line from the face of God that I want to because it's really Please. beautiful. So, uh, Father Michael, I didn't know the entirety of his episode, but I knew it was something about Mary and womanhood. And so, um, I'm just finishing up. Mother Gabrielle and I are finishing up the face of God by Archbishop Raya as our book club with my parents. Nice. And uh, 
which is just an amazing book. And his essay, his, the, the seventh essay, it's a collection of essays. And essay seven is God Love in Woman, God-Love in Woman, Mary Theotokos. That's what the essay is called. And, and in this section, the first section of the essay is called Mary of Nazareth. And um, it says that um, at the sight of God's condescension, the intellect as well as the imagination are set on fire to discover and clarify the wonders of Mary as a human being, as a woman, and as a mother. Christ is her son. He is also her God and her redeemer. It is in, and it is in Mary that womanhood becomes what it really ought to be, the perfecting and salvation of the human soul. Like by having Christ as both son and God and redeemer, um, it is in Mary that womanhood becomes what it really ought to be, the perfecting and salvation of the human soul, which I was just like, that's just, that's a really beautiful image for what womanhood is supposed to be. Like that's what all women should be striving for is <laughs> um, the perfection and salvation of the the human soul. Um, yeah, there's also, I'm gonna share this one just cause uh, I thought it was really beautiful. There's, it's um, irrelevant to what we're talking about today, but um it's talking about Mary as um, ever virgin. And it says, ever virgin is not simply a physiological statement. It is above all an inner spiritual attitude. Spiritual virginity lends significance and beauty to the physical. Neither is ever virgin a mere negation or absence. It is rather a wholeness and fullness of love. It stresses the thirst and hunger for total identification in love. That's totally irrelevant to what we're talking about. It's just really pretty. That is. There's a great book by Carl Hauslander, I've probably mentioned before, called um, Read of God. And it talks about in the Advent chapter on on virginity, again, not just a physiological thing, but it's it's a potential. There there's a the the emptiness of of a of a virginal womb is is full of potential and a availability for self-gift and things like that. And there's so much hope um, in that as well. I think I gave you that book. Did you read a book that I gave you? I I don't think. You're I, like I I've, certainly wouldn't want to you, say that. <laughs> <laughs> I I I got it a long time ago, um, and I I thought I okay. got it from Leah, but I may okay. maybe not. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. You would read I something that Leah gave you. If you gave it to me, I appreciate it. <laughs> I want to thank you for the potential giving me of that book. <laughs> you are potentially welcome. <laughs> That's a good hashtag. Potentially welcome. So, thanks, Father Michael. You're very welcome. I, I feel like this is a this that that episode was very. Um, compartmentalized. <laughs> it was very like, hey, here's a bunch of beautiful things or things that I think are beautiful, and it doesn't make much sense in a row. But there's little, there's a couple little things you can take with you. And um, but I do want to say that as horrible as I am with emails, this is like one of those topics where if you have thoughts, I would love to hear them. If you have corrections, I would love to hear them. And Mother Natalia will just have to be frustrated with me for longer that I'm not getting to the emails that she's sending to me. And I apologize for that, but I got to. Do you see, mother? I got to like seven of them. I did. I was really proud of you. Yeah. Okay. Um, I got to finish this hashtag. Welcome. It was right okay. before our patron Zoom meeting. Yes, I, I had I had one hour free, and I just cranked out emails if I could. All right. Uh, prayer intentions, mother. Um. Well, I think this comes out on July 20th. Did I make that up? I don't know. I have the thing open right now. Yeah, this comes out on the 20th. So I will ask for prayers. July 20th is the Feast of St. Elijah. So um, please pray for Mother Ileana because it's her feast day. Um, Ilya is the Ukrainian for Elijah. So Ileana is the feminine um, for Elijah in Ukrainian. So... Um, and also please pray for a good friend of mine. Um, Father Martin 
has a son named Elijah, um, who I know could always use prayers. So please pray for for Father Marty's son, Elijah, as well. Nice. Um, I'll just keep that uh, that going. Um, the Schneers, my friends, are moving. Very sad for us, but their oldest son is named Elijah. Um, but just pray that their their transition in their move is is good and holy and fulfilling and according to the kingdom, and that those of us who are they're moving away from will not miss them too much. Are they taking the U-Haul um, attached to a fiery chariot? That would be hilarious. Or like you know how the U-Hauls have like different states photos and things like that on it. And the U-Haul for California should just be a bunch of fire because we have so many forest fires. Oh. It looked like his chariot. I have no idea what they're doing. But uh, yeah, and then also pr- please pray for the soul of Father Brian Escobedo, my successor in Denver who passed away unexpectedly um, a couple weeks ago. Uh, total, total surprise, total shock. Um, so yeah, and, and pray for, uh, for peace for his family and for our presbyterate who are mourning. And I think that's everything. Anything else, Mother? No. Are you going to do okay. the things or no? I am going to do. You're going to save it for the next episode. Um, nope, I got it. Um, the uh, so thank you for listening. Please do uh, rate and give. What's the word? Not review. response. Review. Thank you. Rate and review, um, especially on iTunes um, or wherever you listen, if that's possible. Um, you can check it out on social media. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. I'm on Twitter at Potter Michael O. Uh, you can check us out on YouTube. We have a Goodreads list of what we're reading and what you're reading, and you can keep it, have a conversation with our media team on that. We have a website, whatgodisnot.com. We have a nonprofit um, that works towards evangelization in the church, which is what we're doing here, and also service to the poor and support of the church. That is Fotina, P-H-O-T-I-N-A dot org. Um, we also have a Patreon where you can support us financially there, so on the website or on Patreon. Um, and there's we just met with our one level of our Patreon uh, gets quarterly chats with us over Zoom. We just met with them this past week, and it was awesome. That was so um, fun. It was um, and uh, yeah, we're on YouTube audio only. And I think that is it. You can email us at whatgodisnotpodcast at gmail.com. And thanks for listening. Awesome. I'll thanks, Father. Now. Love you. Um, Love you too. It's really good to see you after you're gone for so long. Yeah, can you please give us a blessing? May the Lord bless you and keep you, cause his face to shine upon you, have mercy on you. May our Lord send you forth into this world with the zeal of Elijah, but also the the double portion of Elisha um, as we receive the grace of God and carry it forth and multiply it in that way through his grace. Um, may our Lord allow you to be purified of any attacks of the devil or of your own sin that has removed any appreciation, especially towards women or towards the mother of God, or towards women's bodies especially. May our Lord heal our our world in this way and help us to appreciate it in a way that is of him, especially as he directs us all towards his mother. And may our Lord always send his mother to intercede for us, which is what we need. May our Lord bless all of you as you build up the kingdom of God. May he grant you the salvation of your souls. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Amen.